Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. One week ago, Kansas State went down to Lubbock, Texas in desperate need for a victory after losing three straight games to really good opponents to open its Big 12 portion of its schedule. Everyone associated with Kansas State sensed that this game could be make or break for the rest of the Wildcats season. Well, it didn't start out very well for Kansas State. They struggled mightily in the first half, trailing 24-10 to 10 at halftime against a Texas Tech team that, despite a better record than Kansas State, was not very highly regarded in Big 12 play. Well, the Wildcats rose to life in the second half, led by special teams and defense, and then the offense got involved, and somehow, someway, K-State overcame two turnovers and 12. That's right, 12 penalties to leave Lubbock with a 25-24 victory to move to 1-3 and in Big 12 play and 4-3 and overall on the season. It was one of those games that a program has to find a way to win. And in Lubbock, the loss meant the firing of Matt Wells as head football coach. But meanwhile, back in Manhattan, Kansas State comes home for a game Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium against the TCU Horned Frogs. And in fitting fashion, considering Coach Gary Patterson of TCU is a Kansas State graduate, it is homecoming for the Wildcats. And Patterson, like Wells, is beginning to feel the fire, beginning to feel the heat from the home crowd as his team struggles this season. The Frogs are also 1-3 and three in Big 12 play this year, but 3-4 and four overall. Losing this game will all but doom TCU to a losing record this season. It's going to be an interesting game at the Bill on Saturday afternoon. Kickoff is scheduled for 2.30 p.m., and if you're watching at home, the game can be found on ESPNU. We've got a lot in today's show to get you ready for TCU and Kansas State in a Big 12 matchup that Kansas State really needs. They need to continue to dig out of that hole from that Really tough schedule that saw them open with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Maybe the three best teams in the Big 12. Well, the schedule now is much more friendly for the Wildcats. They've got their road win at Texas Tech, and they play TCU this week, and they go to Kansas next week before returning home for back-to-back games with West Virginia and Baylor. They close the season at Texas. There are more wins available on this schedule, but getting this one as they prepare to head to Lawrence seems to be a great formula to get bowl eligible before the late games of the season crank up the pressure. And before we dive into the preview by bringing in our own football analyst and recruiting analyst at GoPowerCat.com, Mr. Ryan Wallace, I have something important to tell you. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And yes, we drive a vehicle from Robbins Motor Company. And now we bring in our own Ryan Wallace to talk about Saturday's game between the Frogs and the Cats at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Yet another game, Ryan Wallace, that 
just feels like there's something hanging over it, whether you're a K-State person that knows that the Wildcats need another win to kind of get down the road to where they wanted to be and recover from that three-game losing streak to start the Big 12, or if you're TCU where you're facing a situation where Coach Gary Patterson with a loss in Manhattan might be staring at a losing record this season in a year that there was some optimism around the Frogs. It's just, again, another game, Wally. It just feels big, doesn't it? It does. And, I, you know, like I said, it, or like you were saying, I think it's it's maybe bigger even for TCU right now just because, you know, similar to last week, as we saw with Texas Tech fans, the Horn Frog faithful are, you know, not happy about the direction that this program is going. They're starting to question, maybe they're paying Gary Patterson too much and he's not delivering. Um, you know, the, there's kind of all of these opponents that, that K-State has seen and, and maybe we'll see, even if you want to throw Neil Brown in that mix, are kind of these middle-of-the-road Big 12 programs that are really in a state of flux right now. And so, you know, you start thinking about some of these year three coaches. We think Dave Aranda at Baylor is kind of coming on the positive end of things. But some of these other coaches, not named Chris Kleiman, uh, are really kind of staring down kind of at their future. And, and in a way, K-State is is kind of that, you know, are you going to fall on the right side of the line or the wrong side of the line? And as we saw with Matt Wells, you know, and, and some K-State fans kind of took this as a slight fits, but it was like, we lost to K-State. That means you deserve to get fired. <laughs> um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if, if the same goes for TCU this week if the Wildcats come out on top for a second week in a row. What's so funny about that Wells thing is they've lost 10 out of 11 to K-State and they fired their right? coach. You've lost a lot to Kansas State. You picked this one to be the one that is a step too far. But Gary Patterson's done a marvelous job at TCU. We're kind of seeing him peter out at the end here, if this is the end. And it does kind of remind me a little bit of what happened with Bill Snyder. So much success. And then it just like the things got past him just a little bit. And you saw a deterioration in the in the season-by-season season records. There's so many similarities, really, and it, I think it just kind of comes down to, you know, maybe being a little bit more out of touch um, with the culture of, of the younger players and just society in general, of where college football is, is going. You know, I'm, I'm reading a little bit up on Gary Patterson this week, and there's so many similarities about how he runs the program. You know, there's absolutely no media allowed at any practices. It's all closed, even to, it sounds like even to big time donors. Um, on top of that, you have select players that are allowed to meet with the media pregame and even post game in some circumstances um, that are handpicked by Gary Patterson. Um, he's, you know, in charge of the defense that, that, you know, he takes over all control of that. You know, when you see him in press conferences and, and things like that, he's a very strict guy, stern. You know, you wonder if he has any fun with guys. It seems like he's always complaining about the NLI and things like that. Um, you know, it's just there are a lot of similarities. And you just wonder if maybe, again, he's kind of lost touch with where the game is going. You know, Nick Saban is a stern and strict guy, but it seems like he's adapted. You know what I mean, Fitz? It seems like he's yeah. grown uh, as new things are thrown at him. And Gary Patterson just strikes me as a guy who, you know, for all intents and purposes, just maybe hasn't adapted. And in the ways that he has adapted, maybe kind of got too big for his britches. And I'll, 
what I mean by that, Fitz, is it seems like when Gary Patterson and TCU were at their best, he was able to go find guys that fit what his program, what his style was all about. And then as TCU started to get better and the fans started to expect more year over year, you saw him go after more four stars, more five stars, more guys with maybe some question marks, hitting the transfer portal harder for the big name guys and maybe not a transfer from you know, a, a division down that might be a better plug and play fit. And I just wonder if that's starting to catch up with him as well. Yeah, it it's weird to watch this because all of a sudden TCU scores a bunch of points but can't defend. And that's Gary Patterson's thing. He's one of the greatest defensive coordinator, defensive minds in college football, and yet it seems to have slipped away from him. And the irony for me is I could get it when everything went hypersonic with sped-up offenses and the spread, but now it's come back to be more running game in the Big 12, and he can't stop the run. What the heck is going on with the DCU defense? I think it all starts in the front seven. You know, their their secondary is super athletic, very talented, both in coverage and, and slightly lesser extent in, in run support, but they're still very good and very active. They've got veterans back there. Um, the Memphis transfer that I know quite well, TJ Carter, um, has been a factor for them on the backside. Um, they haven't gotten as much from LeKendrick Van Zant, but I think maybe that's just because the expectations for him as a veteran were so high. I don't think he's playing necessarily um, poorly, just maybe not to the standards. But, you know, Caesar, Hodges, Tomlinson at cornerback, those guys are good. The problem is that front seven is getting absolutely no pass rush. The Kansas Jayhawks are the only team in the Big 12 that, um, has gotten to the quarterback fewer times than TCU. You know, Kari Coleman was a kid that they had big expectations for. I want to say he was, you know, kind of a defensive freshman of the year candidate. If I can't remember off the top of my head, he might have even won it last year in the Big 12. And there have been some off-the-field issues where he hasn't gotten a, a ton of playing time this season. And O'Shawn Mathis, the defensive end on the other side, that was supposed to be this kind of first or second team, all big 12 type player just hasn't been able to do it. The defensive tackles have been bad. They're getting pushed back on, on, in you know, the ground game. And then they lost a lot with a guy like, you know, Garrett wallow at linebacker was a do everything guy between the tackles and the linebackers just haven't been able to, you know, meet what he brought last year. And so I think, it's the front seven, not getting pressure, not being able to stop the run that has forced the secondary's hand to maybe come out of their comfort zone a little bit more and be more active. And it's just stretched the defense way too thin. Can Kansas State have the type of running success between the tackles that Letty Brown and the West Virginia offense did last Saturday? You know, I think so. But then at the same time, last Saturday, what we saw in Lubbock almost leads you to believe that maybe Kansas state's offense is going to, I don't want to say be more pass happy, but I think we might see this K state offense, maybe the balance sort of teeter totter back more towards the pass approach first to open up the run. Um, so far in Chris Kleiman's tenure at Kansas state, and even going back to North Dakota state, you know, he and Courtney Messingham have wanted to run the ball to open up the pass. And I think they're noticing that maybe Skylar Thompson can be the difference maker that this offense has, has lacked. They just haven't allowed him to, you know, take full control. And what I mean by that is obviously air it out a little bit more and, and make, 
you know, let guys like Malik Knowles create, let guys like Tyrone Howell, Phillip Brooks, and, you know, Landry Weber do some things outside that then will open up the ground game. But either way, Fitz, whether they want to be run first or they want to be pass first to set up the run, I do think that they can have some success against this TCU defense. I think that the TCU locker room in general, but especially this defense is really reeling to the point where K-State coming off just an ounce of confidence from Texas Tech um, is going to be kind of all they need in this one. It's amazing to me. All of a sudden, even though they've got Deuce Vaughn back there, K-State's beginning to inch towards becoming a passing team because Skylar Thompson's been so good throwing the ball since he came back from injury. It's been remarkable to watch. He was really good down the stretch Saturday at Texas Tech, and I don't see them breaking that. I think they're going to throw the ball, even though TCU can't stop the run. Well, and the the interesting thing that I want to watch, though, is uh, Skylar Thompson's been so effective, has not turned the ball over. He's been accurate, which has led to them, you know, allowing him to, you know, step his foot on the gas a little bit more in the vertical game. However, as I said, you know, let's say TCU does come out and defend the run better than they have the last two weeks, at least, you know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson is, like I said, a very good cover corner. CJ Caesar is another guy that's a really good cover corner, and they have these active safeties. Um, It'll be interesting to see if maybe that's the approach at first, but if TCU is able to defend it right off the bat, then I want to see if K-State goes back to more double tight end and, and goes back to saying, okay, you know, we'll give it to you. You're playing us better there than you played in the last two weeks. We still feel like we can beat you at the line of scrimmage and we're just going to go heavy and see if you can stop us. And that's where I say, I think either or K-State's going to find success. Let's flip it over now how Kansas State's defense has started to gather themselves a little bit after those struggles through that stretch of games. They looked much better in the second half at Texas Tech. And and Ryan Wallace, a big part of that was they got pressure on the quarterback, something they didn't do against Oklahoma and Iowa State. I thought that defensive front played so much better in Lubbock, and maybe it was a step down in opponents, but it did really change the way that game was being played. Yeah, and I think I think some of it does have to have to do with the fact that Matt Wells and company, I think, called a little bit more conservative second half. Um, Joe Klanderman and, and company did, you know, start to heat things up a little bit. Certainly, once you got into the fourth quarter, you could see the confidence brew, and and maybe they started changing some things schematically. Very minor, though, because I think by and large, a lot of it did have to do with the fact that Texas Tech really thought they could sit on that lead um, and and really try and wear the clock down. And in essence, it was almost kind of like Kansas State for all the things that we've heard about them not making adjustments at halftime and being a poor third quarter team, the defense came out stuck to the game plan, but just executed a little bit better. And in turn, it forced Texas Tech's hand. But this is a game though, against TCU that I think we will see Joe Klanderman dial it up from the start. This is a TCU offense that You know, they don't give up a lot of sacks, but Max Duggan seems to be hampered a little bit um, by some sort of injury that's kind of lingering. You know, it sounds like he's going to play, but, you know, it's really affected him in the run game. So I think K-State's really going to force the issue and and really say, okay, either you're going to have to get rid of it quick or we're going to make you try and, and 
evade us and get outside the pocket, which it seems like right now, Fitz, that quarterback is not very comfortable doing. And that's why we heard earlier this week, Gary Patterson kind of hint a little bit about maybe they go to some two quarterback um, rotations where Chandler Morris and uh, Chandler Morris, excuse me, maybe gets into the game and can be a little bit more of a dynamic dual threat type. But either way, I think this is a primetime matchup for Joe Klanderman to really throw the kitchen sink at Max Duggan and make him uncomfortable, which, as we've seen, he can be turnover happy at times. One of the things TCU does do pretty well is run the ball. Zach Evans is a rare five-star recruit for a program like TCU. But on Wednesday, he deleted all TCU references from some of his social media. There was speculation he was going into the transfer portal as we record this. It looks like he will play in Manhattan. Maybe they talked him off the ledge or maybe it was all a misunderstanding. But this dude's good. However, if there is some strife, some struggle going on in that locker room, it's going to show up on the field, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and it, this is kind of what TCU didn't need. You know, the Horn Frogs have mainly struggled on defense, but their offense has been efficient outside of some turnovers. And when you watch them, you know, early on in the season, even in losses to SMU and Texas, they were fairly competitive in those games, especially on the offensive side. And it's kind of been the last two weeks where the defense has let them down and there have been, again, some turnovers where West Virginia's defense in particular really forced them to throw the ball, got Max Duggan out of his comfort zone since he wasn't able to to run and keep a defense honest. And that's kind of where things spiraled. Well, now if you have Zach Evans and kind of his lingering things going on off the field, it's not what this offense needed because they were the backbone, so to speak, to this point. Um, the one thing I will say about Zach Evans is those who covered his recruitment will say that anything he's doing off the field should not come as a surprise. He was kind of a major mystery question mark kind of kid coming into TCU. And he kind of goes to the beat of his own drum and as dynamic as he is, if you look at the backup, Kendra Miller, <laughs> he's averaging 7.5 yards per carry, which is more than Zach Evans, seven, seven point zero yards per carry. Um, and he's doing it on 37 less touches. Yeah. So, you know, if Zach Evans doesn't play in this one, or if Gary Patterson decides for whatever reason that, you know, he's not going to play him as much. I question if that's really going to hurt TCU's offense, you know, as much as maybe the outside fan wants to think. I'm just amazed at how the Big 12's become become a running back league. It wasn't that way, and suddenly it flipped back to that, probably in response to everyone, such as Gary Patterson, going to smaller, faster linebackers, stripping down that defense to be able to run with spread offenses, and now everyone's running the ball, TCU included. I'm just shocked that Gary Patterson's gotten caught off guard by this with how they defend. Is this game really important to his future in Fort Worth, or has he just bought so much uh, goodwill over the years that there's just no way they're going to run him out quite yet? Yeah, I would be hard-pressed to think that they run him out. Um, I could see where things become so uncomfortable um, here kind of down these last couple weeks if they do go on a little bit of a losing skid where you know he might just kind of pack up his bags on his own. Um, but I'd have to go back into, you know, the interwebs, if you will, Fitz, and see kind of what his contract is, because I'm not sure they 
you know, maybe TCU has the the donor money to, you know, buy him out, so to speak. But I, I just wonder if, you know, maybe they're kind of in over their heads with Gary Patterson and they've kind of dug themselves too deep. But, you know, again, I, it'll be it, it's going to be fascinating to watch the state of Texas because, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like North Texas and Seth Luttrell, he might be out. Texas State might not be happy with where they are. Uh, you look at Texas Tech, they've already ousted their coach. Baylor seems to be really the only one that's very happy other than, you know, A&M obviously in Texas because they just hired a new coach. It, it might be the dominoes might start falling and it all might start in the state of Texas. And here's here's something that I've kicked around with some buddies this week, Fitz, and it's kind of going off topic, but I, I just want to throw it out there. If Gary Patterson were to become available and things maybe don't go the way that fans have wanted them to for a while and the itch becomes strong enough for Scott Frost to get ousted, that sure seems like a logical fit. Oh, my. Oh, oh, my. That does. <laughs> that seems like because Nebraska wants traditional football. They really do. And the Big Ten fits Gary Patterson a little bit better than maybe what the Big 12 has been doing. That is very And he's the name. He's the name that they would like, too. Yeah, they've got to have that. They they, they crave <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. That is very interesting. I'd like to add someone else to the conversation, that a coach that's secure, and that'd be Dana Demmel at UTEP. As the miners oh, yeah. all of a sudden are rolling, yes. bowl eligible. Uh, and UTSA, incredible. of course. Yeah, but. UTSA. There, there's <laughs> still some good football down there. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I'm i just amazed that the differences one win can make because they come home, they're still just one and three, but now they've got a winnable home game against a TCU team that's struggling. They go to Kansas next week. You might be staring at a little roll for Kansas State coming out of that three-game losing streak. And I've been saying this. Kansas State isn't in the upper four or five in this conference right now. It just isn't. That's just the reality of it. It's still part of the building process. But I think they're squarely in the middle. I, I think they can prove that with a win over TCU. Then West Virginia comes in, which is given – Chris climbing some issues. I can't explain why. And then there's another opportunity to win. They, they really could get on a roll, and it has to just be perpetuated this week. And they have to play cleaner, Wally. I still can't explain how they made that many mistakes, that many penalties, and just kind of played shoddy at times in the first half and still won at Texas Tech. But here we are. If they clean it up, this is a pretty good football team. Yeah, I mean the- – the- all the pieces are in play for K-State to be the team that we saw early on. It's just a matter of them kind of figuring some things out and getting back to being a little bit more assignment sound. But, you know, going back to the schedule fits, this is, this is a big one, you know, because I, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced um, that K-State has completely righted the ship. I, I think that having Texas Tech, having TCU with all the lingering off the field things going on and having Kansas, you know, back to back to back is just what the doctor ordered. Uh, but this is a big one because I think if you beat TCU, then everything's gravy. I think I think you're in to the bowl when you beat TCU because I'd be stunned if they lose to KU. I think KU is going to be more competitive as we saw against Oklahoma. I think they'll be fired up for the game against K-State, but I still don't see the Wildcats dropping that one. And then boom, you're at, you're at six wins and maybe you got a shot to go get to seven with West Virginia. It's not out of the question. Baylor, although playing remarkable football right now and super athletic, 
it's still going to be senior day in Manhattan. You know, I, there's always a slight chance that K-State comes out and just super fired up and knocks them right on the chin. Um, so this, this to me is the one where, you know, it, it really sets you up. It, 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 it makes life easier down the stretch than it may it arguably already is. You lose this one, you know, you have to regain your confidence against KU and then you're, you're really facing it against yeah. West Virginia. And I think Chris Kleiman would rather not put his squad in that position. Yeah. I just feel like this game will take so much pressure off of them. If they win at Kansas and get bull eligible, they can play a little loose and free against West Virginia and Baylor. Yep. And then, yep. then see what happens when you go to Texas, who knows what Texas will be like in the last game of the season. At that point, we just don't know. Every game is self-contained. I asked Chris Kleiman about it on Tuesday. Does what TCU did against West Virginia mean a damn thing coming into this game? And it really doesn't. We've seen it over and over. Teams play poorly. They come in the next week and play really good football. You better be ready to play. I know Gary Patterson will have his team ready. This is always big to him coming home, uh, ironically, on homecoming. And uh, it's going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to be a really fun, fun game on a beautiful fall afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it really comes down for me, Fitz, to, you know, obviously which defense wants to show up. Um, but, you know, how each offense chooses to attack the opponent, you know, yeah. TCU has a lot of skill players on the outside. Quentin Johnston is playing unbelievable football and he's six four, two hundred. you know, with JD Spielman, the former Nebraska transfer uh, announcing his retirement from the game, maybe Savion Williams, who's another six, five type and Tay Barber and, and, you know, Conrad and these guys that are kind of more of the smaller speedsters, they could really give K-State some issues outside. But again, if, if Joe Klanderman, you know, chooses that he's going to dial it up and TCU wants to really try and enforce the run game, who knows what happens? So I'm as intrigued to see how the defenses show up as I am intrigued to see whether the offense decide they want to control the clock or whether they just want to go for the jugular right off the bat might be advisable for K-State not to give up a quick touchdown, too. That's kind of not a good trade. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thank you, Ryan Wallace. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Fitz. That will do it for the first segment of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. On the other side of this break, Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman, awaits as we continue our preview of the Frogs and Cats Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I am Tim Fitzgerald. This is the PowerCat pregame podcast, and we will be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. 
Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Brian Hanley, our football analyst, is standing by to help further break down this game between Kansas State and TCU. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our football analyst, Brian Hanley. Brian, thank you very much for joining us as Kansas State prepares to play TCU, two teams that are at one and three in the Big 12 this year. TCU sits at what, three and four so far on the season. K State is at four and three. So on paper, they feel somewhat comparable. But last week, K State found a way to win on the road, and TCU really looked bad in losing at home to West Virginia. Does that mean a darn thing for what could happen this week at Bill Snyder Family Stadium? I don't think it means a whole lot other than I, I think the K-State's confidence level is going to be much better sky high from coming back from where they did. Basically, just coming back from, from the dead, I think their confidence level is going to be sky high. I think it means that. Now, does that translate to better football play? We'll see. We'll see. I, I think that it definitely, in what people underestimate, is going to translate into a better week of practice, which is definitely what we need. So I think it's a good thing. I mean, I don't know how much it's going to change, but like I said, it, it can't hurt. I know that. Boy, if you're TC, you have to feel like uh, you've had a breakdown because you, you're going to lose some games at home. If you're a mid-level team in this conference, the math just works out that way. But to lose to West Virginia at home probably sent a pretty sour message in that locker room. And I got to believe Kansas State, as you mentioned, is going to have a really good week of practice. They know that this game is important. And yet I I just fear Gary Patterson, even though uh, Chris Kleiman's beaten him two times in a row. I I just think Gary Patterson's going to have his team ready to play. And... What this team has done pretty good this season has been offense. They're putting up a lot of points, Brian Hanley, and that's a concern with this K-State defense. Well, and it is. We just have to be, we have to be again, aggressive. I think as long as we're going to be aggressive against a TCU team, I think that and aggressive and physical, I think we can cause them a lot of problems. Uh, as far as having them come ready to play, I mean, they'll be ready. I go for sure. I mean, Gary Patterson's teams are always ready. I don't know necessarily how good they are, but they're definitely always going to be ready and play hard. But, you know, it's one of those things. I think K-State is just better. So I think this bodes well for us. I think we're just better. One of the things that Gary Patterson has always had at TCU is a very stout defense. That's been his bread and butter. He was a defensive coordinator before becoming a head coach. He's always been so solid defensively. And this year, the numbers are tragically bad for the Frogs on the defensive side of the ball. They are ninth in this conference, both in scoring and total yardage defense. And they're giving up 451 yards a game and 31 points. Ah, Man, that's ugly, and I don't understand what's going on with it, but West Virginia just ran the ball right up the middle at TCU all day Saturday night or all night Saturday night and just controlled the line of scrimmage. And I don't understand why TCU's defense is so bad. You know, it it can be a multitude of things. I'm not sure, but one thing that that always comes to mind when I I look at at trends and stuff like that, which I try to do from week to week. Sometimes 
teams figure you out. You've been in the conference long enough. You don't change a lot of the stuff than what you do. And teams just figure you out, you know, and they figure out how to stop you. I've seen it at several levels where a guy has been, a coach has been in an institution or in a team for a long time. You've had success, but then you don't change. And when you don't change, teams can figure you out. And I think this may be one of those things that's happening, Tim, is that teams have figured them out and they haven't changed or haven't been able to change. And it's just, you know, it's Katie bar the doors. It's just teams are blowing the doors off the defense right now. Right. You know, one of the things TCU did early on uh, to combat all these spread offenses, they went to extremely light linebackers. We've seen Correct. teams across this conference follow in suit, but TCU still will put 205-pound linebackers out there, which are glorified safeties. And yeah. I just can't help but think West Virginia looked at that and said, if we can win the line of scrimmage, if our offensive line can control their defensive line, they're not stout enough in the middle to stop us. And Gary Patterson was really upset with how his safeties played against West Virginia, which would point to the the same thing that that connective tissue between run and pass defense just completely broke down on the frogs and has been breaking down and that's a sign of a bad defense and honestly I can't say that about K-State I think the safeties and the linebackers have been pretty good so I, I think that might be accounts for why K-State's had moments of really good defense like they did the second half against Texas Tech I don't know what the question is but I just thought it was interesting that TCU seems to be paying the price for stripping down their defense to go against spread offenses, and now everyone's running the ball in this conference. Well, and that's that's key what you just said there. It's all true is that teams are running the football, and you can't play at this level with 205, 210-pound line. That's just not going to cut it. I'm sorry. Because, again, teams will figure it out. If you want to have a lot of fast people out there, that's fine, but we're just going to run the ball right at them. So it doesn't matter how fast you are. If somebody's running right at you, go ahead and run around the block while we're going downhill. Right. So, you know, that, that that does not work. And it, it, I think it's just one of those things, kind of what I said. It's, you know, you make certain changes and those changes aren't always for the best. And it, you know, you're going to give up something if you do that, apparently. And they're giving up the run and they, it's, you know, they, they haven't been able to plug it up. So I think this is something we can take advantage of big time. Yeah. West Virginia's Letty Brown, who ran right through that defense last week, is a big, you know, kind of ball control guy. He can break it, but he's he's between the tackles. Now, I know right. they use Deuce Vaughn in that role, but that really isn't his role. I mean, he, he can make plays between the tackles because they can't find him. But if they do find him, it doesn't work. I mean, we saw it against Tech. They just really zeroed in on him. Um, is Kansas State capable of prolonging an interior running game, the length of a game, with maybe Joe Irvin getting some more carries? I absolutely think that we can, you know, and, and the one thing is, is that, you know, if you can just run off tackle, everything doesn't always have to be sideline to sideline. If you just run off tackle and have your tight end, be, have your tight end be a, a huge part of the run game, you can find holes. It doesn't necessarily always have to be between the A and B gaps. Getting off tackle is key because, and then Deuce can do some of the things that he does, but even then, you know, Joe Irvin, we, we can run the ball in between the tackles if we have to, and just be, I mean, 
again, it, it comes down to more of of what we're doing schematically wise versus what they're doing. Because if they have a ton of people in the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter if we have Earl Campbell back there. They're going to stop the run. Right. So you have to be able to loosen them up. And we did that against Texas Tech. They just said, you know, throw it. Well, we did. You know, and if we have to do it again, then we just do that. But I think there's going to be some openings and you don't get away from it either. You don't just go away from it. You keep running it. You keep running it because sooner or later you'll pop one. Right. Absolutely. On the other side, this is very strange. TCU is running the ball extremely well. In fact, they've got two of the top 12 running backs in the conference. They're combining for about 160 yards a game with Zach Evans, the sophomore, leading the way at 108. As we tape this on Wednesday afternoon, there was talk this morning of Zach Evans entering the transfer portal. It seems like maybe he hasn't. He's removed his TCU references from some of his social media. This would be a huge loss for the Frogs, even though as we tape this today, it sounds like he's still with the program. But either way, it's got to be a distraction around that football camp down in Fort Worth. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, when you see these mid-season transfers, usually it's from somebody that's not getting enough playing right. time that they think that they should have. A guy that's running the ball, leading this team in rushing. I mean, it's. I mean, there's got to be something else that's happened here because, I mean, why are you transferring now or wanting to transfer now? What has happened? It's not like you're going to go somewhere and play at another school next week. So it's it's troubling, and you're right. It's got to be a distraction because. Because something has happened for whether he's in it, whether he's not, whether he's wanting to, something has happened and it's not good for TCU. I just wonder if his intention was to transfer right now and the football coaches got with him with that exact message you just shared. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, you could you could put yeah. your name in the transfer portal now, but you got to finish school. You got to stay here. You got to be eligible at your next school. Why don't you just go ahead and play football and, and get some more stuff on film. If you are going to transfer, you get him back in the program with hopes of maybe this will wash over and he'll eventually decide to stay. All I know is he's a really effective running back. And this does worry me that TCU might find a way to run the ball on a consistent basis against a K-State defensive front, Brian, that has been a little bit inconsistent, particularly since some of the injuries hit at the defensive end spot. Yeah, we have, but, you know, I, I think last week we we made some changes, like I said, some, some adjustments in the second half. I think we're going to see more of a four down line or at least getting bigger people on the football field, you know, and, and run downs and, and, and doing some run blitzes and stuff like that. I think we're, we're still going to mix it up a little bit because you can't just keep having three down linemen and it not be effective because teams are running the football at you at will. You got to make some changes. And we did a little bit of that last week. Brian, this game's huge. We say this before every game, but I just feel like the way this season's unveiled, they dug themselves such a hole in Big 12 play. It's going to be a prolonged effort to get out of that hole. But this game gets you to 5-3 and three with Kansas looming next week, and uh, you can't count the win until you actually earn it. But it's got to make you feel good that if you win this game, you're on the path to the kind of season that maybe you hope for, and unless you were hoping for a Big 12 title, which I don't think was reasonable. But you can still have a really successful season if you win this game because you might be at three in a row win streak by the time you come back home to play West Virginia. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I know we go through it every week, like you said, but it's it's true. You know, it's just this is a game that K State has to win. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. If we're trying to be the program that we want to be, we have to win this game. It sets the season up. No, I shouldn't say perfect because we have three losses. But you know, if we count like which what I have done is say we were three and three. Okay, let's start over. Okay, great. We started last week and it worked out well. Okay, well then let's move forward from that. Let's continue. Let's win the second half of the season. You know, let's not be even. Let's win the second half of the season. If you do that, then we're on the right track to doing and being what we are trying to be as a program, you know, uh, and I think that's what we have to look at. We have to, obviously we want to finish the season strong, but you want to move forward as a program, you know, and the program needs to win. These are games. You just have to win. We're a better football team. We got to win the, the football game. It's just simple as that. You know, these are games that in the back of our minds, if you lose it, it's like, Oh my goodness, what are we doing? Losing this game. You look at it, you know, back in March or whatever, or January, and you're looking like, how did we lose this game? What are we doing? Where are we going as a program? You don't want that. So you just got to go out here and win a football game at home that you should win. Okay, Max Duggan, the quarterback for TCU, is someone I can't quite grasp. He, he seems yeah. to be a good quarterback, but other than running all over K-State a few years ago in Manhattan, I, I just am not blown away by the guy. And yet I look at his stats from this season, and he seems to be putting up pretty good numbers. 14 TDs, four interceptions, completing 64.5% of his passes. His his pass efficiency rating is almost identical to Skylar Thompson. In fact, he's just a nick above him. What are your thoughts on, on Max Duggan as a quarterback? I think he's, he plays well. It's like he's, he's gritty. You know, he does things well. He doesn't do anything great. And, you know, which is okay. You know, that, that's okay. At the same time, the one thing to look at with, you know, with and I always think passing percentages sometimes can be overrated because then it's like, okay, well, what do you do on third down? You know, what's your third down passing percentage? What are you doing to, to stay on the field and drive, you know, and, and keep drives alive, things of that nature. But I think he's a good quarterback. I, I don't think he's great. Like I said, he does a lot of good things, but I don't, he's not going to be the guy. Well, I shouldn't say he's not going to be the guy. If we should make him beat us, don't let him just run the ball up and down the field, up and down the field on us. If we're going to lose or we're going to struggle or whatever, Put it on him and make him beat us. Make him be precise with his passes and, and be on time and be accurate. Make him beat you because I don't think that he's going to be able to do that. I know he can run it and he throws it. And like I said, he's a good quarterback. But at the same time, I just don't believe that he can go to Manhattan and beat us. Not this year. Well, earlier this month, TC went to Texas Tech and absolutely romped over the Red Raiders 52-31 on the field that K-State just won 25-24. Much different games. Tech hadn't fixed their defense to stop the run. They gave up just a ton of yardage. Tech just was, you know, selling out on the pass, and everyone's running the ball. It was a mess. But everyone keeps pointing to that. Well, they didn't have any problems at Tech like Kansas State did. And yet, if you look at the TCU schedule, they won against Duquesne 
and Cal to open the season. They had a rally to beat Cal and open the season. Then they lost to SMU, lost to Texas, won at Texas Tech, lost at Oklahoma, and lost to West Virginia. They've got K-State on the road. Then their next games are Baylor and at Oklahoma State. They get KU, of course, and then they go to Iowa State. It's going to be very hard without winning this game for Gary Patterson to rescue this season and become bowl eligible. And it might be the end of him. What are your general feelings on the possibility that Kansas State, who honestly just got Matt Wells fired, could be a nail in the coffin for Gary Patterson also? Well, you know, it's Gary Patterson's been there. He's been there for a while. And sometimes the message just gets stale. You know, it just gets stale. The recruiting gets stale, even though you still recruit and you still coach. Sometimes it just gets stale. Sometimes a program needs you know, a breath of fresh air. Now, having said that, I still think Gary Patterson is a very good coach, you know, and at the same time, he's he's a good coach. I I think they would be making a mistake if they got rid of him. I'll I'll say that. Uh, If K-State wins this game and and that is what they decide to do, I mean, that's fine, but I just think it's a mistake. Like I said, a breath of fresh air can be nice, but maybe that's just a shake-up on your coaching staff versus getting rid of your head coach. I don't. I think that would be a huge mistake to let him go, you know, basically. And, again, the season, if they don't win this game, I get it. It's going to be a difficult rest of the season. But at the same time, is it worse if he's not there or better if he's not there? I don't think so. I think you just make him change some stuff, change the interior of the program, what's going on with some of your coaches, maybe some of the philosophies, and go that route before you just get rid of the man. He's been absolutely incredible. He's in his 21st year in Fort Worth, if you don't count the interim bowl game he coached. Uh, and it uh, he's had three seasons where he didn't go to a bowl. Uh, last year, they yeah. qualified for the Texas Bowl, but the game was canceled. Uh, so three years out of 21 without a bowl berth, and that was a 5-6 and six season in 04, that dreadful 4-8 and eight season in 2013, and then 2019, they went 5-7. and seven. They were 6-4 and four last year in the pandemic. It is interesting that, that since going 11-3 in 2017, they've won 7, 5, 6, and now they're at 3 and may not make it to 6 for this season. There has been a drop-off. And it almost feels very similar to what happened with Bill Snyder. You're right. It just kind of like the message slowly petered out. And by the time you realized something was going on, it stacked up and probably affected their overall roster. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And at Texas, you can't, well, you can't really let that happen. There's so many schools. There's so many options. You get your foot bed, you know, into some places where you could get guys. Well, Again, that message starts to slip when you start to slip. So you got to make the necessary changes to keep things fresh. Look, I understand times change, and you know some people that like the old school, some people like the new school. I get that, but kids are young. Kids like what kids like, and if you want kids to come to your school, the good ones, you're going to have to do some of those things that you may or may not like. And that's, it's just, it seems that's maybe what's going on at TCU. Maybe they're not doing some of those things that, that, you know, younger that good quality kids or whatever, any kids that are wanting to go there to get the good people that can compete in the big 12. I think they got to do more of that. Well, he's had 11 
double-digit win seasons at TCU. Absolutely remarkable. More than half of his seasons in his career have led to 10, 11 wins down there in Fort Worth. Gary Patterson is a K-Stater. He's coming home. It'll be a very interesting game. Brian, does K-State beat the Horned Frogs? Yeah, I think they do. And I'll, I'll even put a spin on it, Tim. I don't know that it's really going to be that close. I'll be honest with you. I think this is a game that K-State can dominate on both sides of the ball. Now, I don't know if they will, but I think that I think that they should. I think they can shut down what TCU's trying to do. I think we found a little spark in our defense and get it back on track last week in the second half. I really, really do. I'm, I'm feeling confident about that. And I think the offense has figured out, look, we're going to throw the football if you guys are going to stack it. I think we've figured out that we can throw it down the football field some. You know, it doesn't have to be 50, 60 yards. I, I think that we can throw the football. If you're going to stack and not let us run, then we'll just throw it. And I think we found something. I, I think K-State runs away with this one. Well, it will be interesting. Kickoff is at 2.30 at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And the game is on ESPNU. Brian Hanley, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. That's it for the second portion of our Powercat pregame podcast as we take a look at the Frogs and the Wildcats coming up 2.30 on Saturday, as I just said. It'll be a very fascinating matchup. And after the break, we plunge right into our interview segment. I think I've talked to him earlier this season. I vowed not to repeat people, but how do you not have Felix and Yuduke Uzama on as your guest after what he did at Texas Tech? And we did get a chance to talk to him at Tuesday's press conference. We will speak with him after this break. And also Ryan Gilbert pops in to talk about all of the odds, all of the gambling angles of this game between TCU and K-State. I am Fitz. This is the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Don't go away because we shall return. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the Powercat podcast. Now let's return to the GPC studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. We have two segments behind us now, and we're heading into the final portion of our show as we preview TCU visiting Kansas State on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And maybe the biggest play of the season so far for the Wildcats was that incredible play by Kansas State sophomore defensive end Felix Anudike Uzama, who busted through that tech offensive line and got a tackle for a safety at the very beginning of the third quarter of the game and honestly it completely flipped how the game seemed to be going and suddenly K-State was in control of the momentum and never gave it up as the Wildcats rallied from 14 down at half to win 25-24 with that defense pitching a shutout in the second half I think we've already had Felix on this season I'm not sure I didn't go back and check I just feel like we have but this play was so significant to the season and where K-State is heading into this game against TCU that we thought we'd have him on. And he's a great kid. So it's always good to have him on. And I actually got quite a bit of time to talk to Felix on Tuesday at the weekly press conference for Kansas State football. And we'll get to that in one second. 
However, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company is the title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now let's get to my conversation with Felix Anudike Uzama, one of the stars for Kansas State in its 25 24 victory at Texas Tech. And we start this conversation off with a simple question. Was this the best half of football the Kansas State defense has played so far this season? Uh, honestly, almost every half we probably shut down all our opponent, opponents in the second half. So um, I don't. I would not say that was the best half. I feel like it's up there. I feel like, um, what was it? Stanford is one of them. Um, we had a lot of other ones. Okie State, the second half was pretty good, but uh, it's definitely up there, though. Felix, how cool was it to see yourself on ESPN, featured there, breaking down the play and going through it? Oh, it was it was very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And then, like I said before, with them uh, them pronouncing my name, that was that just made me happy that they pronounced my name right. <laughs> and like like every single. Uh, What's called every single, every single thing like pronunciation they pronounce it right. Like he said, Felix N U D K Uzama, and I was like, okay, that's that's yeah. I was like, okay, that's 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 definitely cool. Yeah. What was your reaction the first time you saw a replay of what you did in the game? I was like, how the heck did I make that play? Because it wasn't. It didn't. It, me looking at it on film and um, on video, it looks way harder and like way difficult than I thought I did in the actual game. Because an actual game, I didn't really feel him like pushing down on me like that. But I guess um, he was like, obviously he was holding me. I didn't really. I felt him holding, but I didn't really like feel like thought he did. Like as that much as I see on film, and then I just made the play and like dove his legs and made the tackle, and I just looked at the play and I was like, wow! And like it was it was a good play. Were you just focused in on the running back from the very snap of the ball? Yeah, because I knew that like we practiced in practice, I knew that if the, the jet sweep goes to my side in that type of formation, and we're playing men front, he for me, well, sorry, a friend that we practice for me to shoot that gap and I can make the running back because obviously the running back is going to go the opposite way, so that's why I practiced practiced it and then I knew that play was going to happen so I just like took a shot and I and that's how I got the safety. How much did Saturday's win really help the confidence of this entire team? Oh, it gave us a lot of confidence. It showed us that we we're still in we we're still in the fighting conference. It shows that we can play with anybody. And like even though we had a lot of mistakes offensively, like a lot of penalties, like I heard it was like 88 yards of penalties, like that that game we shouldn't have won, but we won because of our playmaking and our belief in how we can fight and compete with with anybody in our conference. And finally, Felix, you've lost two in a row at home to great opponents in Oklahoma and Iowa State, but you're back at home, you're playing TCU. How good is it to be back here with another opportunity to win a game in front of the home crowd? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, especially um, to help our fans, to show our fans that um, we are we are going to come and we're going to give it the best shot we can. And hope, hopefully we get this win on Saturday and just to support our fans. And now we bring in Go Paracat's own Ryan Gilbert to talk about the spread for Saturday's TCU-K-State game, what we think about that spread, and the rest of the games around the Big 12. Ryan Gilbert, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having I'm me good. on here. You, of course. Always. What would I do without you? I'd have to sit here and talk to myself, and that's no good. I'm intrigued by Baylor and Texas. The game opened up basically as a pick I think Texas even might have been a one-point favorite. 
Baylor's now favored by three, and it is in Waco. I get that. Are you surprised by this line? Not really. You know, a lot of people are high on Baylor, so I'm not necessarily surprised by it. I'm happy about it, though. We're getting a few points from Vegas, so I'm happy about it, but I'm not surprised. Who do you think wins this game? I like Texas. I'm still a believer in this team. There are three losses. I think you can draw an asterisk by two of them. Baylor, I'm still not bought in. I, I don't know how they're they're playing this good and how they only have one loss. I like Texas here. I know a lot of people are on Baylor. Just because they have that number in front of their name doesn't mean they're better. You know, just because they're ranked doesn't mean they're better. So I like Texas here. Three points. I might pick the money line as well. Well, it's fascinating to me. I, I think Baylor's good. I think they're probably in the upper half of this conference. Sure. Because of that win over Iowa State early in the year at home, and it kind of reminded me in a way of K-State beating Oklahoma early last year. Got them before they were quite gathered. Mm -hmm. I don't think they beat Iowa State now. No, not at all. I think Iowa State had, what, 150 more yards yeah. than, than Baylor, something like that. So I think they played 10 times. Iowa State wins eight or nine times. Very intriguing game. I, I haven't decided on this one, to be real honest. I've got to do some more pondering. About this one. Another line I don't quite get. Iowa State's heading to Morgantown, and they're only favored by a touchdown. Seven over West Virginia. Maybe this is bolstered a little bit by West Virginia's really good performance last week at TCU with the win. But I think Iowa State's better than seven points over West Virginia. Yeah, people have to be overreacting a little too much with this game that we yeah. saw on Saturday with, with West Virginia and TCU. And let's not ignore what's going on down there in Fort Worth and the issues that TCU is having in its own program. So I'm taking that win with a grain of salt. I'm not buying in on West Virginia. Iowa State's going to win this one comfortably. I have a lot of agree. lot of faith in this one. I would agree. And if you're a K-Stater, you don't want the Mountaineers starting to string together wins and get confidence mm -hmm. before, you know, they're, what, three weeks out from visiting Manhattan. So that's going to be a huge game. You got Oklahoma and Tech. Tech just fired its coach. Oklahoma just played like doo-doo at <laughs> KU. Um, and yet Oklahoma's only favored by 19 and a half. I'm a little surprised that – Sitting at 20, basically, for this game, I think Oklahoma learned its lesson last week and mm -hmm. isn't going to take this week off. I think they're going to beat the holy heck out of Texas Tech. I'm right there with you. I don't get how anybody would want to touch Texas Tech here. If you, if you don't want to bet Oklahoma, just don't bet the game. But I would not place any money on Texas no. Tech at all. I love Oklahoma here. They got their wake-up call. They're not going to be snoozing through that last game they had against Kansas. They were probably not firing any bullets. And once the fourth quarter came and they're like, oh, crap, we actually have to play, they woke up and they won. If they really buy in for 60 minutes, this is not going to be a close game at all against Texas Tech. I'm with you. Oklahoma all the way. I just I really couldn't wrap my mind around this number. But the biggest number of the week is KU going to Oklahoma State. It's risen to OSU favored by 30.5. I thought last week was an absolute lock. I thought Oklahoma would win by 40 or more. This is 31 or more in Stillwater. Does Oklahoma State just hang that on KU? Oklahoma State's not been an explosive offensive team. They've won a lot of games, but they've been close games. Can they get away from Kansas and win by 31 or more. Last Saturday's game in Lawrence is going to benefit Oklahoma State here. And right. it, it, it shows and proves that Kansas can compete. And if you don't take them seriously, they might get you. They might creep up behind you and sneak up on you. So I like Oklahoma State here. They got the wake-up call from Oklahoma on Saturday. I think they cover 30 points. I mean, it's like I said pretty much every time we come on here and talk about Kansas, we finally saw them cover once. And they got me. <laughs> yeah. I fell for it. If we can see it twice in a row, maybe I'll start buying in. But for now, I'm going to go back to the roots and, and stick with the team uh, against Kansas. Look, I think Oklahoma absolutely went 
through the motions for mm-hmm. three quarters, mm-hmm. certainly for two quarters. And I think Kansas built some confidence off this, but I still think if they played again tomorrow, it would be 40 more more points. I would still take Oklahoma on a spread of 39.5 over Kansas. I don't mm-hmm. – how – how lackadaisical did Oklahoma have to be to make that a game? Uh-huh. And KU, give them credit. They controlled that time of possession. Yep. It was a crazy number I saw. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma got their wake-up call. Well, that's what KU's going to try to do, just take the life out of the game and hold the ball and take their time. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably a pretty good plan. Now let's get to K-State playing host to TCU. Probably a toss-up game, a pick'em game, until we saw the games last week when K-State won on the road. TCU lost at home to West Virginia. Still can't really fully understand how the Frogs did that. But the Frogs did, a few weeks ago, go to Lubbock and just pound Texas Tech. I don't know what to read into that. But I think these two programs are headed in different directions. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, K-State just broke a three-game losing streak with their win at Texas Tech. But TCU, that is their lone win in the last five games. So they've lost four out of five. These two programs seem to be trending in different directions. Does K-State win by four or more? I would say, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Still nervous, but, though, right? Yeah. If it was three points, you're a lot more comfortable. But, you know. We'll see what happens, but you're right with the trajectory of both programs. K-State's going up, TCU's going down. Gary Patterson, is he on the hot seat? Maybe, but he's getting there. You know, we were going through this earlier in the show. His career has been absolutely amazing. He's in his 21st season. He's gone to bowl games all but three years, at least qualified for him. Last year's game was canceled in the Texas Bowl. 18 bowls. There's, excuse me, 17 bowls in the first 20 years. It's amazing. And ready for this? More than half of his seasons in Fort Worth, double-digit wins. He's won 10 or 11 games, 11 out of his 20 previous seasons. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But now we're kind of seeing the same fade that we saw from Bill Snyder at the end, where the wins don't plummet to a really troubling level, but they're going down. And if they lose this game, Ryan Gilbert, TCU's in big trouble to be maybe a four-win team if they can beat Kansas. If TCU loses its game, it's going to have the under hit for the win total, which I'd be very happy about, Fitz. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a really good week of football in the Big 12. This conference is a little chaotic. Um, And I like what happened with Oklahoma because it kind of showed that maybe the Sooners aren't as settled as everyone thought now that they've got their new quarterback and it's just, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of a – like buying a new sports car, they maybe the gas mileage just caught up to them. They couldn't quite uh, really romp over KU, but we'll see what they do with Tech. What a couple of back-to-back games for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. KU and Tech back-to-back, no wonder they felt like they were in they spring just break. stay in the Big 12? Is that what they're thinking? Uh, yeah, probably. I think they're probably wanting to stay at this point. I I think uh, they probably regret it. Nah, <laughs> you beat Kansas. How are you going to beat Bama? Yeah, nah. It's it's uh, it's fun. It's always eventful in Big Twelve football weekends, as it was last week with Tech and K State in Lubbock. We'll see if the Wildcats can get another one. Thank you very much, Ryan Gilbert. I appreciate it so much. You do a great job with the odds and breaking down these games for us. And we have studied this Kansas State TCU game inside and out. It is an enormous game for the Wildcats, and we've been saying that almost every game this season. K-State needs this win. You cannot lose three straight games at home in conference play and expect to be an upper 
half team in a conference. That's the duty K-State will face three more times this season. They have TCU this week, and in a couple weeks, they return home for West Virginia and then play Baylor. Sweeping those seems to be very advisable for a team that felt like it could be a Big 12 contender at season start, even though the Cats were picked for seventh in the conference. Saturday's game does kick off at 2.30 p.m., and you can watch on ESPNU. Make sure you follow along at Go Powercat. We will have constant updates of the game, and make sure you're subscribing so that you can get into the conversation and talk about K-State Athletics along with getting all of our coverage from the great staff I've been blessed with over at GPC. I am Go Powercat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and we hope you have a great time at the game. It's going to be a beautiful fall day in Manhattan for college football at the Bill. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Powercat.com.